Boraway Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Oh, hello! It's the Spark Parade, a show where I talk to amazing people about the art and culture that's shaped their lives. I'm Adam Unz. Thank you, thank you, a million times thank you for joining me. I've got your dream episode coming today. How do I know what your dream episode sounds like? Please, come on. I know you, and I know what you want, and I deliver it. Trust me. I had an incredible conversation with Boy Radio, who makes absolutely amazing music. More on that later. And we talked about his love for pop legend Britney Spears. I had an absolute blast with this one, and you will too, kids. That's a promise. We had a lovely spin through Britney's back catalog and also talked a bit about the connection she has with her fans, and that got me thinking about the concept of fandom in general. I'm obsessed with music on the whole, and I have tons of artists who I absolutely love, but I've never been committed enough to really be a hardcore fan. By that, I mean going to every gig, buying all the merch, following them around the world, that kind of stuff. But artists like Britney really inspire that kind of devotion in their fans. Part of it is the sheer ubiquity of their music. When artists reach a certain level, they become part of our cultural fabric. For their fans, this means that there's a near unending supply of new music or remixes or t-shirts or posters. So there's always something in the pipeline to be excited about. And that special kind of passion breeds these large communities of fans. People from disparate backgrounds who are united by their shared love of an artist. There's something so powerful and so... Magical, yes, I used that word, about that kind of collective outpouring of affection. It makes me feel a little emotional to see art connecting people in such a far-reaching way. Of course, fandom isn't always sunshine and roses and people can form unhealthy obsessions, but I think the vast majority of fans are just really inspired by the artists they're most passionate about. And that's one of the most vital functions of art, providing people with joy. And I think we can all agree that the more sources of joy we have in this world, the better. There. That was relatively brief, at least by my standards. You got off pretty easily there, kids. You've had your vegetables. Now it's time to move on to the dessert. Here comes my chat with Boy Radio about Britney Spears. So, Britney Spears. Yeah. With people of that caliber um, and, you know, magnitude 
whose star shines so brightly. I, normally I say like, where did you hear of this person or this artwork before? And she's one of those situations where it's like, where didn't you hear of her? Yeah. Um, but well, do you there have was like a first really, there was a first. And, Excellent. Um, I remember being in junior high school and I remember coming home because this was the era of TRL. It was a really big thing. Yeah. And uh, for me, because I was a big music nerd, a big music video nerd, I would basically, you know, make it a point to come home. I'd turn on the TV and the first thing that would be on is TRL with Carson Daly. Mm -hmm. And I would just watch that because it was videos and it was music and it kind of allowed me to escape from my like humdrum suburban existence. Like here's this like, you know, 14 year old queer boy from Rancho Cucamonga, California, mm. who I didn't have any queer friends growing up that I knew of at the time. And my only escape was really music. I'd go home and I would write or I would sing in the mirror, or I'd dance in the mirror, or I'd watch music videos and learn the choreography. And I remember it being one of those situations where it was like, we have a new artist premiering a video today. Her name is Britney Spears. Here it is, baby, one more time. And I remember watching the video and I remember thinking, this is stupid. First of all, <laughs> here's like Catholic schoolgirl, like, you know, like we're dancing in a high school. She's wearing a skirt with the checkers on it and the kids. And and then by the end of the video, I was like, I need to watch that video again. Yeah. And I watched it again. And I remember the next week or so, I guess they released the album. So I bought the album and that's how it all started, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things about that. First of all, that idea of not knowing if you had queer friends at that time yeah. that I think everybody kind of goes through that. All queer people have that where it's like, in hindsight, oh, yeah. Or like you see somebody on Facebook and it's like, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, One of my best friends, actually. Like we'd known each other since fifth grade, who's like my, my little brother, I call him. Hmm. And then in college, we kind of reconnected again officially. And he was like, oh, my boyfriend. And I was like, oh, my boyfriend. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice. I mean, it's like in some respect, it's always like would have been nicer if we both like knew who we were at that time yeah. and could have supported each other. Yeah. But it's also like kind of sweet in uh, thinking about sweet. it. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Then I was also just having this flash, um, not to instantly make this all about me. I try not to do that. Uh, but like, but the, before that album came out, I remember seeing something that was like this local news interview that had been done with Britney Spears on the set of the baby one more time uh -huh. video <laughs> and just being like, oh, who's this? Like, you know, exactly that reaction where it's like, you know, not prove yourself to me, but just, this is like another you know, of course, pop, nothing. There was a lot at yeah. the time. Yeah. So I think that, that reaction, I, I, uh, I, I remember feeling that way too, that it was like <laughs> waiting for this person to be dismissed. Right. Um, so, and I think that was the, the, um, reaction of the air anyway, of the time anyway, because we were kind of being bombarded with pop artists and pop music. And mm -hmm. a lot of it was throwaway. I mean, we or I come from the nineties era of bubblegum pop as a resurgence, mm -hmm. where of course we had Madonna. Madonna had been a pop star from the time I was born until the time I realized like what she was doing. Right. Janet Jackson had been doing it, specifically female artists. Paul Abdul had been doing it, and Tiffany had done it before, and like all of these artists had done it before. But for me and, and you, I mean, uh, whatever age we were at, to see a new artist, to have them be like, here's the new thing. Here's the new Madonna. Here's the new Tiffany. Here's the new you know, circular version of whatever this pop star energy is mm -hmm. for your generation. Here you go. My reaction was like, nah, I'm good. Like <laughs> this right. isn't it. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. 
And then how did she worm her way into your heart? I think it was, <laughs> I listened to the album and again, like feeling kind of this isolation, this like this feeling of like, I can lose myself in music. I can fully immerse myself in my own fantasy in my head by listening to music, creating music videos in my head. Hmm. Um, if I'm in real life, if I'm in school and I'm just like daydreaming mm-hmm. or if I'm at home, I started to see myself in those videos. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I'm literally in school, like tapping my foot against the thing, waiting for the bell to ring just so I could like, da da da, like walk out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, she's great. And I fell in love with the album. I fell in love with the, the pop elements of it. You know, like in hindsight, as a writer, there's a lot of formulaic, elements of her writing from her earlier stages until now that have stuck with me the whole verse chorus format mm-hmm. a bridge format i mean even like drive records at the time being a big a, a huge player in her story and nsync story and backstreet boy story and and black and all these other like um pop acts yeah i really like suddenly was like oh i think i like this girl but the thing is i couldn't tell anybody because that was a big part of it too was like oh, i'm not gonna tell everyone that i'm a big britney spears fan like right. they're, they're really gonna like really see it then so i kind of just kind of like was a closet britney spears fan for probably 10 to 12 years mm. yeah yeah i think the way that everyone um that the world's relationship to her has changed over time so <laughs> it's like when somebody is first starting out compared to when they've amassed a, mm-hmm. a big body of work and they have proved themselves as, as someone who's put out consistent hits constantly and the music videos being, you know, uh, she, she arrived when everything was kind of peaking. The whole music industry was changing and that was like physical uh, media was still dominating. Music videos were so much more important. MTV was so much more important and I think, at least for me, a big part of how she wormed her way into my heart is because there was no escaping her. It was just like bombarding she was everyone with all of that. Um, and those big, big acts, like you said, like Janet, like Madonna, record companies would throw all the money they had and yeah. just, you know, get those people in front of you in yeah. whatever way they could. And Britney was, everybody Absolutely. decided she was going to be the next big thing and right. were, they were t- determined to make it happen. Right. And they did. Um, and yeah. um, I... Saw her, I went to her first tour. Mm. Um, I went to the Baby One More Time tour at Amazing. Universal Studios Hollywood. I went with my mom and a girl at the time who I dated in junior high and we became friends and then we stopped being friends. But yeah. <laughs> um, the most important thing is I went to this tour and it was the first time that I saw her live. It was the first time that I saw these songs live. It's the first time I experienced what her thing was. Understanding lip sync as an element of her pop performance without judging it as like, she's not really singing. Um, Understanding what it meant to be a part of this teeny bopper phase to like have music intentionally geared to ages, the demographic of ages 14 to 20. You know what I mean? Like it was pop merchandise, pink, everything, bubblegum, this steps opened for her. Do you know steps? Uh, Of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) For all the European music fans. Steps. Did anybody else? know who they were no one knew who steps was yeah that was weird because they're like in the uk absolutely fucking like famous yeah right um but i can't imagine that anybody in in la everyone was like who are you looking at why is that gay blonde boy doing (laughs) backflips what is happening and why am i buying this album like it was just feed us this pop music you know what i mean and that was the first time i saw her live and it's the first time that i really fell in love with 
the whole concept of the pop star, the Andy Warhol version of a pop star, the from the images to the choreography to the costumes to the wigs <laughs> to everything. It was just like, oh, this is a full on like trip to watch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that distinction between like a musician and a pop star, it's the same thing as like the distinction between an actor and a movie star that, you know, you have someone like Cameron Diaz who I, I think can put in like solid performances sure. sometimes, but she isn't someone I think of as a great actor, but I think she's an, a fantastic movie star and she has that charisma and um, really, you know, draws you in. You, you want to see movies that she's in. Yeah. It's a similar feeling to me with, with Brittany where it's like, it's a different kind of talent. And I think people can be really dismissive of artists who, you know, like if they can just carry a tune, but they're not really singers and they're not writing their own music and they're not playing instruments, but it's about performance. Like she can dance. She is this, you know, charismatic force and especially at that time it was just like this ray of sunshine yeah you know, everything was like the introduction phrase was, phase was really everyone saying like okay who is this performer and what is she giving us right yeah and yeah i think the also talking about andy warhol that that idea of different types of fame and allowing fame that is generated not from being in a rock band musical fame that's generated from somebody who's in like a snobbier mindset may not have as much musical talent as what has been expected from big stars of the genre right. but her talents are still enormous and it's like it's a, a kind of being able to allow room for people to be talented in different ways mm -hmm. and obviously she's been Reasonably successful. reasonably successful. <laughs> so I think the reason why I wanted to talk about Brittany as uh, for your series of people and, you know, things that have been inspirational to us and, and, and people and artists and music and whatever. Brittany for me is like still my closet fanboy thing. Like I have been able to remove myself from being an extreme fan enough now to look at what pieces put her together and make Britney Spears work. And we now have hindsight. We now have five or six albums and mm -hmm. we have an emotional breakdown. Mm -hmm. And we have now a woman who is a mother of two or three children who is like pretty okay in our eyes, but still has her own private drama that in all honesty is none of our business. But why I wanted to talk about her is because I feel like there is such a, there's like a, a piece of vindication owned, owed to her still. And mm -hmm. it will it will still happen. I think over the next five to ten years, people will slowly start to realize that like this living icon is someone who will forever be there's no other Britney Spears. There's, you know, the Selena Gomez's, the Camila Cabellos, the um Normani's, the Beyonce's like everyone is a, they're doing their thing, paving their own way. But for Britney to be who she was and for her to be who she still is, is interesting. And I wanted to talk about some of those moments that uh, inspired me. And then also as a fan uh, where I had to shift my thinking to be like, oh yeah, this person is still just a human being mm -hmm. in the machine of what it is to be a star. And in most American stories or most world stories, we like propel our stars to the stratosphere. And then once they're at the top, we like watch them fall. And for her, that moment could have happened and a lot of people really wanted that to happen. And then a lot of people who are fans, who are still fans, 
really just want for her happiness. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what's been kind of like the full circle moment of it, yeah. especially now where we're at in the world. Yeah. And uh, all of that stuff surrounding her breakdown and the mental health issues that she's had since and, and you know probably had before as well, it brings to mind for me a lot of issues around fame like she was really young when she started out mm-hmm. and how is that good for for people when they're that young and still kind of developing to be put in this position where they're you know have the entire world's eyes on them and they're being judged for every single thing that they're doing and how can anyone handle that pressure and how can anyone sustain even a, a happy exterior even if that's not the life that they have inside um, expecting people to always present this public face that's like an image of perfection, yeah. America's sweetheart, like always smiling, always happy. Yeah. When, you know, the reality of her life was that she was being hounded all the time. She never had any privacy and it's it's an intense way to live, especially yeah. for a young person. So yeah, I, I guess just a- about that time period around the time when she had the breakdown, because like, I don't know, for me, Blackout is like one of my Favorites. One of the best like, dance albums ever created. Like, so, so insane. Rolling Stones eventually wrote something about it. It was like 10 years later and they were like, so we need to write something. And they basically said like, Blackout is one of the best dance albums ever created. And here's why. Right. And they went back to each song and each production and talked about like what is happening and what was happening in the world, of course. But why these songs really missed the radar with a lot of people because people weren't really focused on listening to her music. Right. Which is like... It, it, it's so terrible to me because like I've liked stuff that she's done since, yeah. but it felt like to me, she'd been building towards this album. It yeah. was like That's, her yeah. kind of d- developing into I'm something an adult. else. Here's my sound. Yeah, right. Here we go. Um, and it happened to coincide with yeah. all of this shit in her life that, you know, really tore her down. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a friend who worked at Sony at the time and he was like, Britney Spears new album is genuinely really 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 fucking good like you should be excited about it and i was like oh okay if you say so (laughs) and you and a lot of people right and then heard it and it's like it is amazing and that like the production has a lot to do with it and um you know it was at a time when that sound like you know danger and oh yeah yeah (laughs) timbaland at his peak and and all of that was the stuff that i was most excited about anyway um but having like th- those kinds of collaborations don't always like I'm, I'm thinking about Timbaland working with uh, Bjork that it was like there was some good stuff there, but it didn't quite. Not, it wasn't gel. So yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and this was an example of like this. It wasn't even like taking a chance. It's like t- titans of slightly different branches of pop music coming together and making this thing that was making like absolutely hits. fantastic. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So I found out about Britney. Baby, one more time happened. Junior high, you know, transition to high school. I'm still a Britney fan. No one knows. There's like maybe two people who know just because they've come to my house. They, they've seen the posters. They've <laughs> seen the tickets. Like, they're like, oh, you're a Britney Spears fan. I'm like, yeah, you found out my secret. Welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the bat layer. You have found out I am actually Batman as Britney Spears. Like, here it is. So I, um, in high school, watched all the videos, watched the making the videos, and by my senior year of high school, we were in amidst the um, 9-11 era. It's 2001. Mm-hmm. So September is like we just started back first month of uh, senior year. We're like, new year, let's go. Last year of high school, what's next? 9-11 happens, which is the backdrop for a lot of people. Of like, where were you that day? Mm-hmm. And I remember being in homeroom 
and with my friends in my theater, my theater group or whatever, my theater class, and all of us just sitting there and being very, very intent on watching what's happening, staying present and keeping each other in our thoughts and everyone else in New York because I, again, lived in L.A. or California. So as the year progressed um, and that started to become more of an afterthought and we started to come back together and build ourselves up as a community again, Britney released Britney. The album's called Britney. Mm-hmm. It's with Slave For You. Yeah. It's got um, Overprotected and a few other really cool random B-side hits that like mm-hmm. the fans know and a lot of uh, most people won't know. So it's like middle of the year, end of, closer to the end of the year. I somehow coax my mom into driving me and my best friend at the time to Las Vegas for the HBO Britney Spears special. Which they announced earlier after the Janet special. It was like, and the next special is, and it was Britney in an Elvis costume. And she turns around and she's like, I'm coming to Vegas. I was like, we have to go to this. So we get in the car. We drive to Vegas. We stay at the MGM. Oh, my God. We're there. The concert's happening downstairs. I grab my friend. I'm like, we got to go downstairs early. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going backstage. We have to. (laughs) He's like, all right, let's do this. So we run downstairs, there's posters everywhere, there's merch everywhere, there's people gambling, there's slot machines, like, just it's cigarette smoke everywhere because it's the time where you can smoke inside. And here we are, 17-year-old me and my best friend, and I see a woman with a flag waving it above her head and a line of people behind her. And I was like, I don't know what's happening, but we're getting in that line. So we run to the line and we just sit there. We're in it for like 20 minutes. And she's like, okay, everybody, let's go. And she's like taking, you know, names. She's like, okay, you're here. Check, check, check. She gets to us and she's like, hello. (laughs) I go, I remember going, hi, um, what is this? And she's like, oh, you're not a part of this group. And I'm like, no, we have tickets for the show tonight. And we just came early. We just wanted to see what could happen. (laughs) She goes, you're cute. Here's wristband. So she goes wristbands. We take this backstage tour. We're walking backstage. We're like, we get a gift bag. It's got a signed Britney poster in it. We've got like flashlights or like glow sticks or whatever. And I'm just like beaming. I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. We get to the end of the, the corridor. And a lot of the Britney fans will know it's Fiona, who is like her assistant slash handler she's like hey everybody i'm fee how y'all doing and everyone's just like oh cool and i'm crying on the inside i'm just like ah (laughs) she goes i'm sorry i have some bad news britney had to cancel the meet and greet so unfortunately you guys won't be meeting britney tonight but you're here and i'm gonna take you backstage you're gonna meet o-town because they're opening for her (laughs) and then you know just whatever and i'm like oh damn it like pissed so we get to the show and we're watching the show. O-Town opens. It's great or whatever. And because it's a live HBO special, there's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. Wade Robson, her choreographer at the time, walks yeah. out with Justin Timberlake. Basically hand in hand. They're like, yeah. They come out. Justin's like, welcome to the HBO special. Wade's like, we've got a lot of surprises. Make sure you don't leave and enjoy the show. So all of that happens. The HBO special, if you've never seen it, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. This is Britney at her prime. This is prime pepsi britney right um (laughs) live singing when we were there her mic was on the whole time but then when they played it on the the show it was dubbed so Mm -hmm. everyone was like she's lip syncing like i'm not gonna watch that which was unfortunate because they took away a lot of what what made her a spectacular performer is that she actually did sing live for a long for a long time that album progressed itself into what is what we know as blackout Hmm. and 
why that Britney album is so important and why that era is so important is because three things three things happened. She found her sound, Pharrell and Timbaland and all those people found like, oh, she's the one that like we can basically put her voice on anything right. and we can make it work because it's pop. We can mutilate her voice. We can do things and, and it's going to work. Wade Robson was choreographing. So she was coming up with the best choreography she probably had in her entire era. Mm-hmm. And Justin Timberlake was her man. Yeah. So she was happy. And she was in the public eye with her boyfriend and they were like everywhere. What happened in 2007? Did they break up? They broke up. Uh-huh. They broke up. It was Basically because she'd been cheating on him with Wade and it all. Yeah. And what was so weird about it was when that happened in the public eye, what we saw was this woman having this like emotional breakdown of like what's happening. There's loss. I don't know if I can even be a human being in public because people know me as this like, hey, I'm so-and-so. So what do I do? And... I've just completed this album that's all dance music and that's very adult. It's not for kids anymore. Mm-hmm. How do I promote that? And there was no promotion. Like they couldn't promote it because she couldn't show up. Right. And suddenly she was in a barbershop shaving her head and walking around with an umbrella and walking out of cars with Paris Hilton. And, and she was America's sweetheart at the time and she was in LA. So the paparazzi were all over her. That became her promo. Yeah. And like... I've always said that if she were the type of artist to be like, hey, y'all, I shaved my head. Blackout came out on Tuesday. Go buy it. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. that was a part of her tactic, as most artists do now, they love being messy. Be a mess and then be like, point to the album or be a mess and come to my show. It would have been probably a, a mega hit. But yeah. that wasn't necessarily what was happening. Yeah. So in a way, Blackout is indicative of a very specific time in her career. But the music does reflect this artist kind of breaking out. And like, what do a lot of people say when they drink too much or they like do too many drugs? Like, I got blackout. I don't remember anything. Right. It's kind of like that era is Mm -hmm. that. So Blackout is still probably one of my top 10 dance albums. And if you haven't listened to it, which I know you have. Yeah. It's like, it kind of puts you there. Yeah. 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 And uh, it, it just makes me, that whole time period was like it's kind of a messy time in my life as well. And mm-hmm. so I remember that, like that stuff happening in like Amy Winehouse, people who I really loved struggling publicly, um, you know, fam- famous people who I don't have like, you know, personal relationship with, but, but still, still connected to sure. Right. Amy um, for a lot of people. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just seeing the video for Gimme More and she was just out of it and just like basically not even, being able to focus her eyes and just really like not even going through the motions, just swaying and the live performance. You mean the video? Oh, in the video. Yeah. The the actual video. And I mean both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just seeing those things and feeling like somebody has got to take care of her. And it's really shitty that it's coming at the same time as this amazing album, but they got to, get her away from doing this shit. She can't, the music is going to have to speak for itself. And that's basically what happened anyway. But it was like, there was still this push to try and get her to, you know, wheeling her out so that she could, uh, participate and, and, um, do the thing. Yeah. And she just wasn't capable of that. And you could see, she looked totally different. You know, she had that black hair and was just, yeah, just very much not into it and needing help. Anyway, that that whole uh, it, it is difficult to have my favorite album of hers be this thing that was like part of probably the worst point in her life. Sure, but 
I guess it's that idea that, you know, great art comes from pain sometimes. It really does sometimes. And I mean, and that's kind of the irony of it because here's, it's like a bubblegum pop artist making a dance album, which is supposed to be lighthearted. Like most of the songs are pretty lighthearted. They're about, you know, being sexy in the club or like falling in love with someone and dancing with like, there's not, it's not a lot of heartbreak in that album. It's not a lot of negativity in the album, but there are a few moments, a few elements of that album that do feel very like present. There's a song called Why Should It Be Sad in that album. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I mean, there was like the Kevin Federline thing was happening. So it like kind of touches on that. Like there's like very real life moments happening in this album that a lot of people just like rag it over their head. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's one of my favorites. And and again, as a fan, like I I remember watching the MTV award performance that everyone was talking about the next day. And everyone was like, she's a mess. This is it. That's it. She's done. She's over with. And I remember being in my uh, apartment with my friend who I lived with for about two years. He's from Switzerland. We went to school together. Mm. And he's probably a bigger Britney fan than I was. Because, I mean, Europeans got Britney in a different way. They got like, they already, they got a superstar. We made the superstar. They got the superstar. So they were, yeah. So we were watching it together. And I remember just looking at him and he, I could see tears welling up in his eyes. Because he was so upset that this wasn't going well for her. Uh, But now ask any Britney fan, they'll be like, one of my favorite performances is Give Me More mm. from the VMAs. Because if you look back at it, there are elements <laughs> there are elements that are good. And maybe this is putting me in like crazy Britney mm. mode mm. where you see someone perform and you're like, that's great. And yeah. they're like, no, it's a train wreck. And you're like, nah, it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Um, but there are elements of that performance that are really interesting to watch because at the beginning of the, the performance, her heel breaks mm. and then it's just downhill from there. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like yeah. she can't, you can't even, like a dance artist can't even dance with a broken heel. So right, it's just, right. ugh, it was a lot. It was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, going back to something you said before as well, like um, having that period be the moment that people started to acknowledge her humanity. Yes. Um, and she was treated as this kind of singing, dancing Barbie doll who was, I mean, I'm speculating a sex symbol to straight men. I oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I guess. Definitely. Um, it shows how much contact I have with straight <laughs> men. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, somebody who is like sexy, but uh, in this kind of, you know, putting a Naomi Campbell or Cindy Crawford poster on your wall way that it was object totally objectified. Oh, yeah. Like pinup um, kind of right. objectifiable. But not thinking of her as somebody who has like an emotional life or could ever struggle with the pressure of right. being this famous. And since then, she's, I think, pretty much recovered in terms of like her performance, the way that she, you know, her public persona. I think so. Is pretty much the same as it was before all of this mental health stuff happened. But it's with this knowledge now that like people look at that image and don't say, this is someone who's indestructible and, you know, we can follow her around and hound her and there's going to be no impact. There's no repercussions from that kind of behavior. And instead it's like, like, I don't know what her relationship is with paparazzi now. And if they are any more respectful of her, or if it's just like, they do what the fuck they want to do and they're not going to. Because they definitely weren't for a long time. Right. Right. Um, but that idea, I think, from the public is yeah, maybe helps people to feel even more, have warmer feelings towards her, e- even more so than they did before, because it's like this person who is fallible and does have, isn't always on, isn't always happy. Right. And um, her humanity 
in uh, being exposed in some ways, I think makes her even more appealing. She becomes a little more relatable. She's not somebody who's this kind of alien on a pedestal somewhere that has, you know, no relationship to the real world. Yeah, I think that parallels a lot of where we're at now. And, you know, like, you know, we're recording this. So this last this goes on record forever. Mm-hmm. So I imagine if I listen to this 10 years from now, there'll be things that I can relate to. But like to give it a timestamp, it parallels kind of what's happening with uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Mm. It parallels what happened with Amy in Winehouse. It parallels what happened with Princess Diana, where people who are humans who have been celebrated or pushed into this world of celebrity, not necessarily by... I mean, they chose to do that and they put the work in to be celebrated and they continue to do work that puts them in this like limelight. But... When they have that moment that says like, oh, I'm a human, I need some self-care time, or I need to take a step back to take care of my kids, or I just don't feel good today, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be a light today, so let me do this. But what we've learned, what history has taught us is for the people who didn't take that step back, they're no longer, they're either no longer with us or they're just not with us presently. You know what I mean? Like with us, with us. And it is, it's nice to look back on on a story like Britney Spears and see her still thriving still loving her kids, still figuring out what it is to be an entertainer, mm-hmm. but having the boundaries as much as possible so that she is not going to be put in the same predicament. And like you said, like for the people who have been able to see her as a human now and kind of give her the, I guess, the empathy that she needs to be mm-hmm. like, oh shit, like she's really going through it. And yeah. maybe we didn't need to like post that on TMZ or maybe we didn't, I didn't need to make that joke about her. It kind of allows you to understand that like the plight of the celebrity is also that it's a little harder to be just a normal person right you know and i don't know there's something beautiful about that especially for us you know we're working in entertainment and many facets of it and it's like when we can forgive ourselves in that way and come into something and be light as much as possible but also allow the moments to be like i need a break today or i need to turn my phone off today or i need to not look at my social media today it's because we've seen our favorite people go through like really hellish times, right? Right, yeah. right. And I think that the parallel as well between someone like Britney and someone like Prince Harry, talking again about people who started being famous when they were children yeah. and coming up in the public eye and how that affects people and being able to say, even though there's all these people around me who depend on me for their livelihood, people who are fans who depend on me because they love me and they they want a greater output from me and they you know want to see me perform and taking time to say that kind of pressure is not sustainable you can't have somebody dealing with all those demands without taking time out for themselves and without like setting limits so yeah i mean you know and it's hard it's like it doesn't i don't think those lessons necessarily get learned across the board and there's still tons of performers who are under exactly that kind of pressure young and old Um, really yeah and i i hope i think the thing that's maybe a, a good thing with britney as well is that the people directly surrounding her got a wake up call and were like, she's going to die if, if <laughs> things don't change. Right. And it can't be that we just go back to the way things were because this was, this was probably close. <laughs> and yeah, maybe just uh, in, in this particular instance, getting the, you know, her team to be a bit more aware of how to take care of, of her on a personal level. Um, instead of just worrying about her image and worrying about the vast money machine that yeah. comes with the, the output and the um, touring and merchandise yeah. and all of that stuff. And then you have Madonna. 
Mama Madonna, who's just like, I'm going to do all that. Yeah. (laughs) She's still going. Yeah. Yeah. If there's any lesson, it's like, I think if you, if you are, if it's for you, I mean, Madonna is going to be doing this until who knows, she'll be 90 and still on tour probably. And people will still go see it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Same with Janet. Janet is, she's been doing it her whole life and it's like, that's what she knows. And I think that they, those two in particular are very good examples of women in pop music who have a team around them who support them, but also they know that they're in the front train car. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I feel with, with Britney, sometimes it felt like she wasn't really the one navigating her career a lot, yeah. which allowed her to kind of be kind of pushed and pulled in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some ways, I think when we're talking about blackout as well, that in right. some ways that was a good thing that she's like somebody who is happy to have in a lot of respects, have her career not necessarily dictated to her, but to have people like present their ideas and then she would fit herself into them. That's the performer. And with people, I mean, especially with Madonna, it's about control. She like her image is everything. She wants to make sure that she is, you know, hand selecting her collaborators and has a direct say in everything. And I think in the last maybe 10, 15 years, that's been a problem because it's like she's not as willing to bend anymore. She right. doesn't. She, yeah. or, uh, it's more about like being focused on staying at the top and staying relevant and not being willing to kind of let other people have a little bit of that control to maybe make, make the music better. This is not, <laughs> I mean, this is my uh, personal opinion, but uh, I feel that <laughs> I, um, I, I, I feel that. And I think uh, I think that's with any artist. Hmm. There's always a, a moment of compromise that you want to be able to to consider. And some people don't want to consider that. And Prince, for example, hmm. he got to a point in his life and his career where he was like, I'm going to make the music I want to make and I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And that's it. And it was weird and it was queer and it was strange and it was out of left field. And till the day he died, he made the music he wanted to make and kept his fan base and made more fans. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, and with all of those people, like... Uh, when you get to that level, I don't think in some respects it doesn't fucking matter anymore. Like yeah. Madonna is always going to sell albums. She's yeah. always going to have it fans. Doesn't matter. And there are people who will defend everything that she does regardless yeah. of its quality. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess uh, to me, Janet kind of represents a happy medium between those two things that she's like definitely willing to allow people to to guide her she's willing to like have uh, something that's complete you know have songs delivered to her and then put her stamp on it. But uh, she also is entirely in control. She knows yeah. it. I mean, she, she, she wrote, wrote a song about, a song about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, she's just like, I can't. Yeah. She's, she's, a, she's amazing. Girl. Yeah. So, um, so to kind of uh, put a cherry on top of Britney in, 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 a, in a good way, Femme Fatale is probably mm-hmm. one of the most underrated Britney Spears albums. I don't know if you've listened to it. I'm sure I have. You're like Remind me. Yeah. Femme Fatale has... Um, Till the world ends, and um, yes, amazing song. Um, there's a few songs on it that I remember listening to, and I hate to say it like this, but I, I say it with love. There was a moment where, after the Gimme More performance and the Blackout era, that a lot of people didn't know what was happening. Yeah. When when Circus came out, um, you good? Yeah. No, sorry. Just looking at this track list, like oh yeah, amazing. This Femme Fatale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Femme Fatale came out after Circus. Mm-hmm. And when Circus came out, a lot of people were like, 
uh, like they're watching her performances. It looks like physically like she doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a top hat. She's doing this thing. There's dancers. There's fire. There's people spinning and jumping and dancing. And she's kind of just like half smile like I'm yeah. doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm like standing still, not standing really dancing. still not dancing. Mm-hmm. I'm promoting this album because I said I would. And here I am. And people went to the tour and the tour is incredible. But like also kind of same vibe. Like at this point, we we are like as a fan, we are fully cognizant of the fact that she knows that her mic is not turned on mm-hmm. like she's just like press play let's do it mm-hmm. and there is a there's a moment between circus and femme fatale where things shifted and suddenly she came back yeah and that's i think where we are now in in the story of britney spears where we have a, a woman who is present in her life and present in her career as much as possible in her performance she's a performer the mm-hmm. best thing that could have ever happened for a Britney Spears is give her a residency. Yeah. And they gave her that Vegas residency and she had a schedule of six shows a week for two years. Mm-hmm. And every person who went to those shows was like, I'm seeing her. There she is. And she was on her track doing her thing. You know what I mean? And it yeah. felt, it felt cohesive and felt right. Yeah. And the performers, um, the performer, the plight of the performer is sometimes you're never going to have your own voice. You get a script, you get a song. It's like, this is how you sing it. This is what the notes are. No ad libs, just like you learn it. But the thing is, you do it to the best of your ability, and people praise you for it. And I feel yeah. like that was always her her thing. Yeah, you know? and I like I absolutely agree with all that. Like there, some of the songs on Circus are okay. Like yeah. I don't think there's it's like a terrible album. But you definitely felt like she wasn't quite present. There was something kind of tentative about everything that she did, yeah. and she was just healing. She was getting back into her life, and I think it was probably not. She probably wasn't quite ready to be performing, to be recording, any of that stuff. And so it was all just a bit, um, not sure. And then when you get to Femme Fatale and like, um, till the world ends and I want to go and you see in those music videos, she looks like she's having fun. There's one music video that starts with a press conference and they're like, Brittany, like some stupid bullshit question. And she's like, fuck you, fuck you, (laughs) you could stay. And that's it. I'm leaving. And it's just like, all right, she doesn't care anymore. She's here. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, it was just like, I remember seeing that and feeling like, oh, yeah, yeah. like this is, you know, she's she's getting there. She's getting back to being happier and <laughs> feels like she actually wants to do this. That was the thing that was a little weird and upsetting to me about Circus as well is that it felt like everybody was saying, we got bills to pay. Like, it's time to put an album out. I think you can do this. Let's do it. And it didn't quite feel like her heart was in it yet. Right. Um, so it's good to see her putting out music, like being happy, being excited. And at least from the outside, I mean, again, like the lesson we don't learn. Nobody, yeah. nobody yeah. knows except for her. We don't know. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. But I mean, I call my friend Brittany Jones and she's good. So like, I, I know Brittany's, Brittany Jones's number and yeah. she's got three kids and yeah, yeah. she's doing, I check in on her. She's fine. Yeah. So. And if okay. one Brittany is good, yeah. then, you know, <laughs> uh, <sighs> um, I feel very good about all of this. I think that was a, um, an in-depth, a deep dive. Yeah, a little deep. Uh, a bit of a spiral, yeah. Yes. If people listening to this want to keep track of what you're up to and music you've got coming out, yeah. and gigs and all of that, um, is that social media the best way? Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm uh, at boyradio.net. That's my website. Which has updates, but I pay more attention to my social media. So I'm on Instagram at boy.radio. And I really use that as an outlet for music and uh, fashion and and 
I don't know, culture and all those things. I stay connected to my community as much as possible, but I also use it as a way to kind of perpetuate my own image of what my pop star is. Right. And, you know, I've been lucky in the past two years. I've shared an album. Last year, I came up with an album called Pop That, mm-hmm. um, which got a lot of plays and some Spotify playlists and opened up a few doors, which I loved. It's an album that I feel so strongly about. And, you know, I, it's an album I can look back on and have a foundation of a sound that I created and worked with other people to create without a label. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so moving forward, it's nice to know that I have a foundation of sound and songs that I really, really will be singing probably for the rest of my life as much as I'm an artist. And um, yeah, so Boy Radio on Instagram or Boy Radio on the net. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, while you're sitting in front of me, that is an amazing album. Just, oh. you know, uh, uh Usually I would say that in the kind of outro to the episode when you're, when the person's not in front of me, but you're here and you need, (laughs) you need to know that, that it's, it's not just you who feels that way. Um, So everybody listen to that. Everybody check out all of his music. Um, Thank you so much. This is so fun. And uh, yeah, I I feel great. Thank you for letting me uh, spiral with you. (laughs) Yes. All right. Bye. What a smart, fun, charming guy, right? Thanks again to Boy Radio for hanging with me. I don't want to harp on about this too much, but his music is so good, guys. Do yourself a favor and check it out. Okay, couple of recommendations for you. Firstly, the high-fidelity TV show on Hulu is great. You might have to look past the music snobbery that's a part of every version of High Fidelity. There's a book and a film and now a TV show. Although I'd say the characters are less snobby in the TV show than they have been in its predecessors. Outside of that, I really liked it. Zoe Kravitz is great in it and she leads a very strong cast. But to me, it's all about Divine Joy Randolph. I fucking love her so much. She has a scene in the last episode that's so sweet and so heartbreaking, and she doesn't even speak in it. She was also great in Dolomite Is My Name, so she's had quite a year. And now she has my endorsement, which is probably the thing she cares about most, right? Also, Grimes put out a new album called Miss Anthropocene, and I really dig it, but I'm particularly into the new single, which is called Delete Forever. The video is... I guess, Grimes as an alien queen on another planet or something. But the song is almost a country song. It sounds like something Miley Cyrus might have recorded, and I mean that in the best possible way. Does that sound attractive to you? Who knows? Check it out, guys. It's only a few minutes of your life. And that's it for another week. You know that I'm going to ask you to follow me on social media at Spark Parade, so I won't even ask. Except I sort of just did. Oh well. And maybe, you know, write me a cute little review and rate the show five stars. It'll be fun. Anyway, that is truly it. Have a wonderful week full of excitement and adventure. Until next time, bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.